If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 5. I found for today's uh, message, I found a neat little background I want you to see. It's got the, the Statue of Liberty and the eagle and a star. Go ahead, Kim. No, it's supposed to be, it's upside down. Thank you. And, and today's message is entitled, today's message is entitled, America, go ahead, Kim. That's up. would you turn it over and quit playing with me? Turn it, there you go. A nation upside down. You know, when I was a kid, we used to play on jungle gyms. Anybody remember what a jungle gym is? You remember what a monkey bar is? I don't know why it was called a monkey bar. It sure didn't look like a monkey, but maybe it's because we guys who got on the monkey bars, we acted like monkeys. Maybe that was it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Moms out there with little boys, you know what I'm talking about because the little boys would get up. I mean, we would get up and hang by our legs and by our feet and by our ankle and just act like a monkey. The world looks different upside down. If you've ever hung upside down, the world, what's down is up and up is down. Now, when you hang upside down in your person, there are some things that are um, that will happen. Now, I'll not get into a whole laundry list. Jimmy's here, and I saw Robert somewhere here, and other medical people who will uh, who will fix me. But I will just say one of the things about hanging upside down that, that causes your problem has to do with your circulatory system. You see, the way we stand. Uh, the heart don't have to beat so hard to get the blood down to the feet. The body uses gravity. God was so ingenious when he designed the human body. The body uses gravity to get the blood to your feet. But you know what? This heart, when it comes out that left side of the heart, this heart has to pump hard to get blood to your brain. So now remember, the heart has help getting uh, blood to your feet with gravity but it pumps hard to get it to your head. Now, you hang yourself upside down, and all of a sudden, that part that's supposed to be helped by gravity is stuck up in the air, and gravity doesn't change, and all of a sudden, your extremities don't get enough blood, and your head is getting too much. If you've hung upside down, you know you get a headache. Dr. Ashley, Dr. Ashley Grossman of the... Barks Medical School over in London said this, extended periods of hanging upside down where you will see fluid begin to escape from your veins. You'll find yourself short of breath. Your lungs will get stiff and you'll not be able to get enough oxygen. And the ultimate end could be a stroke or even death because it's so unnatural. You know, when I compare the upside down of a body to the upside down of a nation, I'm sad, I'm saddened and stirred. Because you look around our country today and you find things are out of whack or out of sync. For me, they're upside down. And we've become in this nation kind of like the, the Apostle Paul when he said, those things I want to do, I don't do, and those things I don't want to do, that's what I do. I find, I find a parallel to America today in the fifth chapter of Isaiah. I remind you when Isaiah came on the scene, he came and he said, you better listen to me, you better pay attention. And then chapters 3, 4, and 5, he's pronouncing woes on, uh, uh, on the country of Judah. 
Look in verse uh, chapter 5. Look down in verse 20 with me. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. But I hope you have, I hope you have your copy of God's Word. Look at what he says. As he's pronouncing woes on Judah, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, Woe to those who are wise in their own opinions and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, who are fearless at mixing beer, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. You see, folks, it seems to me that when I read this passage of Scripture, Isaiah to Judah, it could be God to America. Now, why does this concern me so much? And, and, and why has the evil, this thing of calling evil good and good evil, why has it taken hold? Well, you can find that in Proverbs. Now, if you want to turn there, turn to Proverbs chapter 14. If you don't, just look on the screen. One verse of Scripture, Proverbs 14, verse 34. It's on the screen, and it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace. That means it is a shame. That means it is a, a loss of respect. Sin is a disgrace to any people. Let's pray together. Father, for the next few moments, I pray that you will take our hearts and our heads out of park. I pray that you will remove from our minds those things that distract us. And I pray that you will overwhelm us with the condition of our nation. And I pray that before the hour is over, I pray that you will convict us of who responsibility it is, who you put in charge, who you put into this place, this community, this culture, this country, to make a difference in your name. Amen. It has been written and said that this country will only be great as long as she's good. And when she's no longer good, she will no longer be great because righteousness exalts, builds up a nation. But sin is a disgrace. It is a shame. It brings about lack of respect. I believe we are a nation upside down for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which is found in Isaiah chapter 5 that we now call good evil and evil good. We now call darkness light and light darkness. And, and to make the case today, I want, to, I want to argue this in four little simple thoughts. You've got it on the back of your bulletin. You can follow along and fill in the blank. I want to begin with the founding of this nation, the founding of this nation. You know, guys, I am a simple-minded man. I am very simplistic. In fact, I am so simplistic that I have all, for all my life, I've only, I believe that once something happens in history, you can't change it. It just can't be changed. For instance, what happened on November the 22nd, 1963? Kennedy got assassinated. What happened? I'm going to, this is going to test you. What happened August 17, 18, 1969? Hurricane Camille come in. What happened uh, um, 
August 30th, 2005. Katrina came in. What happened September the 11th, 2001? Yeah, the Twin Towers. For me, in my simplistic approach, in my simplistic thinking, once those items are fixed in history, they cannot be changed. Up till about 50 years ago, historians, reputable, any reputable historian will tell you that this country was founded on the search for religious freedom. That is, that is the right for you to worship Jehovah God in whatever way you deemed necessary. You do that without abuse from the government, without harassment from the government, without the intervention of the government. May I say this? Separation of church and state means that the church, I means the state should not intervene in the goings on of the church. Fat chance of that today, but it never intended, it was never intended by the founders of this nation that the church not have influence in the government. Now, see, for all my years, I have assumed that history could not be rewritten, but modernist historians have rewritten that search for religious freedom out of our history. And yet, no matter what they write, what I will tell you, the search for religious freedom came to this nation, and watch this, it was not cheap. People shed their blood for our ability to be able to worship and gather like this. In fact, I read one historical um, record this week in, in the Revolutionary Wars, the Battle of Utah Springs in South Carolina, September 8th, 1781. You want it to be personal? It was a Saturday. The, the fighting was fierce, and here's the epilogue. Blood ran ankle deep in places. The cost of our religious freedom, the cost of preserving our freedom, comes at a high price. Most of the time, it's innocent blood. That's our civil freedom. Every time I read that story about blood running in the Revolutionary War, you know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of a little hill called Calvary that Jamie just sang about. Blood didn't run ankle deep, but it ran down to his ankles from his head. If you do a survey of scripture, you find that his body was bruised in every way you can damage it. He had lacerations. He had abrasions. He had contusions. His skin was penetrated. His skin was perforated. The only thing that didn't happen is he didn't have a broken bone. And he did that to buy your spiritual freedom. In the same way these soldiers have given their lives to buy our civil freedom, Jesus died to buy our spiritual freedom. Now, here's my question to you in both cases. Are you doing justice to the sacrifice that was made for you? In the matter of your civil freedom, are you doing what you know to do to make this country a better place? In the matter of the spiritual, have you received Jesus? And if you have, are you living for him every day? Are you doing his, his sacrifice honor with your life? 
The people who founded this nation paid a big price. The people, the person who founded our spiritual freedom, Jesus Christ. And by the way, just so I can go on record right here, I believe that Jesus is the answer for every problem we face in this nation. The founding of this country. And yet, and yet, it's being denied today. And that brings us to the second thing that I would share with you, the faith of this nation. The faith of this nation, regardless, regardless, I want to say it one more time, regardless of what modern revisionist historians write, the faith of this country is not only written in the blood of her warriors, but it is inscribed and engraved on every National monument we have. I personally believe that it was put up there by our founding fathers because our founding fathers knew some things about us and didn't want there to be any doubt. Now, for those doubters we may have in this congregation, if you will, I want you to direct your attention toward the screen. I want you to hear it as we hear Sandy Patty sing, God Bless America.
I've watched that video many times. Honestly, if you just want to know the truth, I've watched it to take the emotional appeal out because God has blessed America. In fact, when you, when you think about how God has blessed America, you find it evident even in our establishment of our government. <laughs> Three branches of government. Does anybody know what that sounds like? Maybe the Trinity, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Three branches of government who are supposed to be the checks and balances for each other serve pretty well till one branch has now decided that they know better than everybody else. One branch has decided that our Constitution is a living Constitution and that they know more about it today than did John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice. This week was another debacle. On the bench, it's amazing to me when you read uh, in the House of Supreme Court. You think the founding fathers had something in mind when they put Moses around that building a dozen times? You think they wanted our Supreme Court justices to respond and respect the Ten Commandments instead of throwing them out? This living new Constitution is destroying our country. It's one of the ways that's undermining the con- country. It's been a catastrophe to our culture. And if left unchecked, we will not have a culture very much longer. Because, you see, we're a country founded on faith. Another way we know that our country was founded on faith is educational systems. Do you know what will surprise most people? Most Ivy League schools, you know those, Harvard, Yale, Williams-Mary, Dartmouth, Princeton, and others, did you realize that those Ivy League schools were started by Christians to train Christians for gospel ministry? In our educational system also, our secondary, our primary educational system, for years and years and years, this Bible that we've now thrown out of the, court, out of the schoolhouse, the Bible was the primer. It was the reader. It was, a, it was the, the way that we taught our children to read so they would learn principles in reading at the same time. For all of our modern-day politicians who run this country and set policy and, and precedent for them, they need to hear in July the 4th, 1821, 50 years after we declared our Declaration of Independence, John Quincy Adams said this, The highest glory of the American Revolution was this, It connected in one dissolutable, indelusable bond principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Now, folks, we can rummage around our founding fathers thoughts only to discover that they had a deep dependence on Jehovah God as George Washington in his farewell address says it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible the faith of this country is etched in stone and written in the blood of those who've gone before us and I might add as long as we were a people of faith It seems like God built a hedge around us. For years and years and years, battles could go on in foreign lands around our embassy, but they would not dare impede on American soil. I have to trace that back to Genesis 28. I mean, excuse me, Deuteronomy 28. If you ever, if you'll, don't do it now, but when you go home this afternoon, pull out Genesis 28 and read about how God put a, a hedge of protection around his people. 
tells us the ways, over 15 ways in which he would bless the people. But here's the condition. If you will fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his command, then I will set you high above the nations. Now, God honored that to his people, Israel, but he also has honored it to this nation, America, because we would not exist. We are built on a proposition that all men are created equal. We're built on an idea, and here we have stood for some 236 years because most of those years we were people of deep faith and not people of just deep convenience. And that brings us to the third thought, the failure of this nation. People don't like to think about the failure of this nation. We don't think that this nation has failed, is falling, is decaying, is disintegrating, and something not happened, it will no longer, it will not be here much longer. The failure of this nation, we can trace it back to a few things that happened in the late 40s, early 50s, but the tipping point came in 1962. When, once again, our Supreme Court stepped to the line and an Engel versus Vital said you could no longer pray in schools. Here's my take. What is in the classroom in one generation, what is in the schoolhouse in one generation becomes that which is in the White House. In the next, we took God out of our schools. We removed his hedge of blessing around us. And now I want to say this to you. You're going to be offended before I'm through with the day. God no longer deals with America in a blessing way. He deals with us in his anger over our sin, our ongoing sin, our continuous sin, our consistent sin, our prevalent sin, our open sin, our arrogant sin. And now we are under the hand of God because we cannot even decide what is right and wrong. We're calling wrong, right, and right, wrong. I can go back to the Isaiah passage that we read. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Here's where I believe we are in America today. This is God speaking. He says, now I tell you what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedges and it will be consumed. I will tear down its walls and it will be trampled. Am I the only one in this room that can see America in the fifth chapter of Isaiah? God's given us his blessing. He's given us his best. He's given us his protection. He's given us his power. He's given us all of this that we could live and grow and thrive and be successful. And what have we done with it? And we now call evil good and good evil. We call darkness light and light darkness. In fact, I think Joe Wright had it in the House of Representatives in Kansas back in 1996. You'll remember this. When he stood one morning at the invitation to pray, and this is his prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good, but that's exactly what we have done. We've lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We confess. We have ridiculed the absolute truth and called it. We have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. 
We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn children and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justified. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who have been sent here to direct us to the center of your will. I ask it in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the House of Representatives in Kansas, when he said amen, there were at least a dozen representatives at the microphone demanding he be censored. For my two cents worth, again, I began this, that I'm a simple-minded guy, just a country boy. But you know what I, what it reminds me of? Reminds me of when I was in the country and we'd find a pack of dogs running. One of us kids would pick up a rock and throw it to those pack of dogs. You know which dog hollered? One that got hit. How many times does a preacher preach from the pulpit the truth of God's word and somebody comes up and takes issue with it? You know, it just tells me that. Shooting too close to where you're standing. Every time I read this prayer, people get fired up. Man, that's great. That's good. Something more to be done. You know how fired up we get when we hear something like that? We get so fired up, we do nothing. Quite honestly... This country is upside down because it calls right, calls right, wrong, wrong, right, up, down, down, up. And it's not because, it's not because there's so much more evil in the world today. It's not because there's so much more darkness today. It is because there is very little light of the gospel today. It is because there are very few who are living what they say they believe. All it takes for evil to prevail and Satan win is for God's people to do nothing. All it takes is for God's people to pretend like all I am called to do is to sit on a pew. For you see, preacher, you can preach whatever you want to as long as you don't make me change the comforts of my lifestyle. Just for the record, preachers don't make you do anything. We can call you to the altar. We can point you to Jesus. But if there's any change going to be, it's going to be because he breaks through our hard, cold, arrogant comfortable, complacent hearts. That he fires up that lukewarm heart. That brings us to the last thought of the day. And that is the future of this nation. 
What is the future of this nation? Of a place that's gone totally upside down as far as I'm concerned. Brother Terry DeFore gave me a book, I don't know, Brother Terry, two or three years ago called Who Stole My Church? Absolutely wonderful book. And what I'm curious about, a couple of years before my 60th birthday, I'm wondering who stole my country? Where did it go? Teenagers, you don't know what this country has the capability of doing. I so apologize to you for the immoral way we live for the ungodly way we act, for the self-centered way that our lives go on. You don't, know what it's, you don't know what it is to have a culture that sees others before self, that sees parents and adults being unselfish, to see people leaning on the Lord. And I apologize to you for that. I think about we have two adult children. Now they have children. I wonder what it's going to be like for them if we don't, if we, not the young people, not the other people, if we. You know, you know what we need to do to have revival? Take your piece of chalk and draw a circle around where you're sitting and ask God to revive the person in that circle. Brother Jerry, I'm not immoral. Really? I'm not unethical. Really? You don't have to prove it to me. Can you prove it to him? You see, God gives us some cautions, some warnings. I believe he's been cautioning us and warning us for years as a nation. You're not going to like some of the things that I tell you that I believe are warnings from God. I believe the terrorist attacks from outside. It took them two times to bring the World Trade Center down, but they finally got it to the ground because we didn't heed the warning. Oh, Brother Jerry, that's just foreign terrorists. God wouldn't use that. Well, don't. Who was Nebuchadnezzar? He's a foreign king that basically was a terrorist. Well, what about domestic terrorists? What about the Oklahoma Trade Center? Could that have been a wake-up call? What about the, the weather patterns that are going absolutely but bonkers? Storms like Katrina, tornadoes like almost claim some lives of our folks and certainly claim property of our folks. What about the school shootings that are going on at record pace in our country? What about the violence and death in this country? Could it be that God is trying to get our spiritual attention and we're asleep? I believe these are God's warnings because I believe everything that comes into your life has to pass through the hand of God first. Proverbs 29 begins this way. Verse 1, it says, One who becomes stiff-necked after many reprimands will be shattered instantly. Beyond recovery. You see, God, I want you to think about where God has brought us from, what He's brought us to, 
and where we've chosen to go. And realize we might be the ones under the reprimand of God. Has God warned you personally? If he's warned you personally, he is in his mercy trying to get you and me back in his way, back on his course. I believe he's extending this hand to this country. I believe that this country is beginning to feel the hand of God's breath because our disobedience exceeds the disobedience of Israel. In fact, somebody said if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. God's put the caution out there, but God's put the call out there. The call from God to us today, you've heard it preached, you've read it, given to Solomon by God himself at the completion of the temple. It's bound up in that verse that we read all the time. Most of us can say it by memory. My people, if my people, if my people, and if my people. The call of God is bound up right there. And if my people will do what they're supposed to, then I will heal, I will forgive, and I will hear. But the result is the if part. The result is driven by the if part. It is our responsibility. It is not the responsibility of the politicians. It is not the responsibility of others. It is the responsibility of you and me to come to Jesus and let Jesus transform our life and let Jesus live our life and give our lives to Jesus. Isn't it interesting, Hueytown Church, that in a culture that has decided to give their lives to Christ, when they get to a holiday, they can make it an evangelism day because Christ is first in their lives. When it gets to a holiday here, who becomes first in our life? Folks, if there's any hope for this nation, you and me, God's people, we have to come to the place where we're ready to humble ourselves. Man, that hurts. Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before God. You cannot sit on your pride and kneel before God. Doesn't happen. And pray. How long has it been since you were broken hearted about a lost person? How long has it been since you've been broken hearted about a country gone astray? How long has it been since you're broken hearted about a church being what God wants it to be? How long has it been since you've spent quality time talking with the one, only one that can do any good? You can talk to your girlfriends. You can talk to your boyfriends. You can talk to all your friends, but they can't do near what God can do. Monday, Sunday morning for ladies, Thursday morning for men are just two times that we've identified here that we're going to pray. Are you going to be a part? 
If there's going to be a change in this nation, we're going to have to come to pray, humble ourselves, pray, and then we're going to have to do, let me just do these together. We're going to have to seek God's face while turning from our wicked ways. So we've got to turn from our wicked ways so we seek God's face. Are you really seeking God's face? Are you not seeking God's face because you're pretty satisfied with the way things are right now? Please listen, and I'm done. Two weeks ago, I spoke about good versus godly men, and I said, good men are not necessarily godly, but godly men are always good. Here's the thing today. Good people won't cut it to change this nation. People who are just good, I mean, good people all around us. Good people won't cut it. Good families alone won't cut it. Good church members are not going to do it. It is only when we decide and make the determination that he's right and we're wrong, that we choose to give our lives to him and let him make godly people out of us. My mom, God rest her soul, taught me this well as a young teenager. Jerry, by the way, guys, she taught me this when I flipped over a little gal that I thought was beautiful. And I said, Mom, now remember, I'm all of 12 years old, and I said, Mom, she's it. And my mom said, again? This is what she taught me. She said, beauty is Skin deep, but ugliest to the bone. Good is skin deep. Godly is to the bone. God's godly people are the ones who have the responsibility for changing this country and taking that upside down and turning it right side up. God will do it one person at a time, one heart at a time. He's calling you, he's calling me to be salt and light in this world and put this country back on its right feet. Let's pray together.